with no progress on a trade for Damian Lillard. Could the Heat look to the 76ers to put them back in title contention? Joel Embiid might ask out of Philadelphia, so we break down the pros and cons and why a trade should happen on today's episode of Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg, here as always with Daniel. However you're tuning in, YouTube, Odyssey, your podcast app. Thanks so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Today's show is dedicated to what star players are no longer following their current employers on Instagram. We're going to do a deep dive into the pros and cons of trading for Joel Embiid, but let's just start with Damian Lillard. Lift off and the clock has started. Dame requesting a trade out of Portland. To have to lower your asking price and look elsewhere, and that's you know, where Miami will still be a part of this process. This is supposed to be a peaceful separation. Dame has every right to ask for a trade. The notion that, that they're going to have to give him away for nothing is just stupid. I stand with Damian Lillard on that. I ain't got a problem with it at all. And we have a business called incremental reporting. It will hang over the whole summer. Damian Lillard has unfollowed the Portland Trailblazers on Instagram. Big news, big news out of the social media world, rocking the NBA. I don't know. I don't know how to get into it here, but I'll, I'll just say my my take on it is, uh, as I've said before, Damian Lillard will never play another game for the Portland Trailblazers. I think that relationship is irrevocably broken. There's just no way of fixing it. Um, they've made it clear, despite some people contesting otherwise, my, uh, Portland has not operated like a team that is looking to continue playing with Damian Lillard. I know some people believe that the addition of Jeremy Grant or the re-signing of Jeremy Grant over the offseason, the drafting of Scoot Henderson, all that indicates we're trying to do what we can to surround you with talent. But no, you don't draft the player's replacement and then say, no, no, we do want you back. And then you don't sign yet another guard just weeks, just last week, they they added another guard to the roster when they have apparently a glut of guards and they don't need Tyler Hero. So uh, I don't know that there's anything else to it than that. I think he feels like he's just ready to move on. And I think everything seems to indicate that eventually he will be playing for another team. Players know that there are people on social media. And by the way, who are the people going through these lists and trying to figure out? I wonder yeah. when Damien is not going to follow the Portland Trailblazers. Are, are, are there people literally checking every day what players are following what teams? Yes. Like, I guess, like, all right, awesome, great for you, I guess. I called this my least favorite form of journalism last week, and I'm going to stick to that point. Uh, Double down, week. buddy. Double but, down, yeah. Um, still, man, like, is this just Damien Lillard's way of doing something where he can't get fined. Like the NBA can't come in and just be like, Hey, you should, we're going to find yeah, you a hundred grand your team. on Instagram again. Like this is obviously the memo came out. And so Dame has got to be careful now. If he wants to avoid, I don't even think he cares about the hundred grand or whatever, 500 grand, whatever it was. He don't care about that. I think yeah. like one Modelo commercial, he's good. He's made it back, but it's, I, I don't think he wants to get in trouble. And I, he is so conscious of his, public image. I, I just think he wants to avoid any of that kind of thing. But you can, this is like the, the 
the thing that you can do without getting fined, without really getting in trouble, without making a big deal out of it, knowing that, okay, I'm not saying anything. You can't find me. You can't accuse me of saying anything because I know that the social media sleuths out there, if I unfollow Portland Trailblazers on Instagram, they're going to find out and they're going to do all the talking for me. Now, do I think that Joe Cronin cares whether or not Damon Lillard is following them on Instagram? I'm not even sure Joe Cronin under, knows that they had an Instagram account. Like that is so far away from his job description. No, right. he doesn't care. I can't imagine asking Pat Riley about an Instagram post. I, like that, <laughs> the equivalent. Does the, does the social media manager for the Portland Trailblazers knock on Joe Cronin's door and be like, you know, Dame unfollowed us on Instagram. Can you trade this guy's ass right now? Get him out of here for whatever. We don't even need Tyler Hero back. And Joe Cronin just yeah. be like, oh, he unfollowed. Oh, no, we'll oh, get rid of him. That's, it. No, no, that's the down. final straw. That's the final straw. We'll, we'll I thought the request was a joke, but now I know he's for real. Now I know he's for real. <laughs> Um, all right, let's just move it along here. Um, speaking of people who no longer follow their teams on social media, Joel Embiid, we talked about this a little bit last week. We teased about it, um, that we kind of wanted to do a deeper dive on Joel Embiid because there's more and more reporting over even the weekend, David, coming out about Embiid. And, well, let me just get to the report here. This is from Yahoo's Vincent Goodwill. So, uh, if Embiid gets, up with, uh, gets fed up with the 76ers, a league source tells Vincent Goodwill, the teams around the league believe the Knicks and the Heat are, quote, keeping an eye on everything going on, end quote. So <laughs> I just want to go back a couple things here. Last week, we talked about Joel Embiid unfollowing the 76ers on Instagram, and we were like, okay, we kind of did the same sort of jokey thing about that. Um, but I will say this. The Joel Embiid smoke, it's been, it's been out there. It's been visible yeah. for a while, uh, not just the last couple of weeks, not just the last couple of months, but you can go back to even last season, people around the league saying, hey, if things go south in Philly, keep an eye on Joel Embiid. This is a guy who wants to win at a very high level, and it hasn't exactly been smooth sailing in Philadelphia. This Daryl Morey, James Harden thing is becoming a sideshow. Joel Embiid is the star in Philadelphia, and everybody is talking about Daryl Morey and James Harden. And I don't think that Embiid cares about them talking about them. I just think he's more like, I just won the MVP. We should be talking about how we're on the brink of winning a title and what we need to do to win a title. I would even rather be talking about if you're Joel Embiid, probably like, why did we fail last year? And how can we get over that hump to get a And instead, everybody's talking about James Harden calling their general manager and president a liar in China and the, and the president coming out and saying publicly, we're not going to trade James Harden, all these things. And Embiid's like, what are we doing exactly to get better? Because we haven't done squat all offseason. We haven't done anything to get better all off season. So I think people around the league are keeping an eye on this. I don't know. Like, do we want to talk about the Knicks and the heat? Like these are the teams that obviously make sense, but I think that's obviously the two teams. Whenever there's a star player on the market, everybody around the league are like, are the Knicks going to be interested? Are the heat going to be interested? I mean, obviously we think they're going to be keeping an eye on every star player situation. Yeah, no doubt. I think the Knicks obviously as a large market and with a treasure trove of lottery picks or whatever draft picks, and some movable contracts have been linked to Dame Lillard. They've been linked to Harden. They've been linked to almost any other player there. Similarly, Miami, uh, as much as their you know reported interest in Bradley Beal might have been slightly over-exaggerated, they're looking to add superstar talent. That's just been the mod modus operandi for Pat Riley since he joined the franchise in 1995, and that will always be the way they operate there. So I, I think there's you know an obvious connection between Jimmy Butler and and of course Joel Embiid from their time together in Philadelphia Joel Embiid's wife is from Brazil 
major international hub airport here in Miami. Uh, she's a big soccer fan. Of course, you acquire Lionel Messi. I'm just connecting everything here, Wes. This is how it works. I think there's a possibility there. Maybe she could say, you know what? I want to move to Miami, be closer to a larger Brazilian population, be able to jet back home whenever is necessary there. So uh, I think it's something to consider. Uh, as far as Miami's target of Embiid, like, and I think this is really what we have to get into when we're talking about the pros and cons of it. That's a superstar level player. He's a guy who can bring you 30 points per game, MVP caliber player, and MVP. has been for a number of years. Yeah, MVP yeah. this past year, MVP caliber for, for a number of years. One of the best top five players in the league, hands down, between him, Giannis, and Jokic. I think it's debatable, one, two, three. On any given night during the regular season, you'll hear that argument among league, league circles. And I think Miami would look to acquire a superstar level player like that because that is their best path towards a championship, which is the ultimate goal for the Miami Heat. You get a superstar level player. You know he's a not necessarily a proven winner. He's a proven scorer, a producer, a superstar level talent. And, and that's undeniable. And I think that's why Miami's interest in Embiid would absolutely be there. Um, I'm with you. I I, I... We'll, we'll get into what the costs of that might look like and whether or not it's worth it. We're going to do the pros and we're going to do the cons and we're going to jump into all that in depth uh, here in a minute. But the name Joel Embiid is one that would certainly interest Pat Riley and the Miami Heat. You're talking yeah. about an MVP. You're talking about one of the premier players in the NBA. Uh, talent level better than anybody that the Heat have had since LeBron. LeBron James, yeah. So uh, that's that's the kind of player. If not the Miami Heat, there are going to be a lot of teams interested in Joel Embiid if this becomes a thing where Joel Embiid is actually on the block, available, and and, and kind of out there uh, on the market. But we're going to d- dig into the pros. Why the Miami Heat should absolutely trade for Joel Embiid. How can it help them? Not just now, but long-term. We're going to get into that in a second. But first, a word from our sponsors here at Locked on Heat. Today's episode of Locked on Heat is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Those are the shorts that I'm wearing right now. Now, I look, I love my bird dogs. They make me look good with their stretch khaki shorts designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving me a truly sculpted look. Just to put it another way, bird dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon shorts, but they fit way better. They're way better than regular shorts that are made of stiff, restricting cotton. Just stuff that you don't want. I wore two different pairs of bird dogs all weekend. That's just what I wore. Saturday, Sunday, those are what I wore. Bird dogs fixes all these issues that you have with your other shorts. Again, that stiff cotton, the the... The stuff that you just can't wear when it gets really hot here in South Florida. They have invented a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but it stretches so that you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Plus, they are liberating, if you know what I mean. Plus, Bird Dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. Trust me, you got to get yourself a pair. All you have to do is go to birddogs.com slash NBA or enter the promo code LOCKEDONNBA for a free white tech hat with your order. That's birddogs.com slash NBA or the promo code LOCKEDONNBA for a free white tech hat. You're not going to want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Thanks again for making Locked On NBA or Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Every day, we're going to be back later this week with our friend, Mike Richmond from Locked On Trailblazers for a mock trade phone call. So me, David, and Mike, again, the, the Portland Trailblazers Locked On host, we're going to get on a call because Joe Cronin and Pat Riley can't seem to get on a call. We're going to do it. We're going to handle it ourselves. We're going to get on a call 
and negotiate the Damian Lillard trade. You're not going to want to miss that show. We're really excited for that. That should be coming out Wednesday night, Thursday morning. Um, all right, let's move on to Joel Embiid. Trade talk for him. Uh, David, the pros. We'll start with the pros, then we'll get to the cons, and then we'll get to our final verdict. The pros of trading for one Joel Embiid. You already mentioned the MVP caliber numbers. Yeah, I think that's basically where you start and end. Like He's a great defender, good passer, uh, competent rebounder, obviously a big, huge body, uh, just a guy who has been counted on to be the focal point of the offense. He's a little bit younger than Dame Lillard, and I think we have to you know, precept the, the conversation by saying the Dame Lillard trade will not go through at this point, and if that's the case, then Miami's moving on and looking on to add another superstar, as they always do. And if Joel Embiid asks for a trade out of Philadelphia – Miami will be among the first teams to make a phone call because they want that kind of high-level production in a pair. Uh, and he's been the focal point. He's been that guy who can get it done, at least during the regular season. And I think that's, you know, again, with the conversation because of the, 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 the connection with Jimmy Butler and the, the likely, you know, superstar-level pairing there, you mentioned it before, the, the high-talent player, like, that. it's just too easy a judgment for my, you know, Miami's front office to make. They would never pass up an opportunity to mm. acquire a superstar level player. Um, I don't know that they would never pass up the opportunity. We'll get to the costs here in a little bit. I, I do want to touch on something else, though, or at least put a pin in it also. You mentioned, hey, if you can't get Damian Lillard, maybe you just move on to Joel Embiid. I would argue I don't think the two are mutually exclusive. Mm. But let's put a pin on right. that. Put a pin in that. The pros. Well, of, you, you're, you get, a bigger fan, you're a bigger fan of Joel Embiid. You want him bigger, on your team. I I don't know. I don't know. Look, I'm I'm pretty split. Look, Joel Embiid, his numbers last year: 33 points per game on 55% shooting. I mean, it's crazy. The year before that, 30.6 points per game on 50% shooting. This guy is unbelievable, and it's big stats. And there was an argument between him. Versus Nikola Jokic, it's like, hey, the Nikola Jokic is the advanced stats guy. Joel Embiid is the real stats guy. Now, both of them have gotten to the point over the last couple of years where that argument is so old, it doesn't even make sense anymore, right? Like, if you're debating the Embiid versus Jokic for who the best center in the league is, both of them have the counting stats, and both of them have the advanced stats. The advanced stats love Joel Embiid. Love them. Love him, especially on the defensive end. Um, the best way I heard it framed in terms of the comparison is, this is modern day Tim Duncan versus Kobe Bryant, right? Where Nikola Jokic is more of the kind of quiet, subdued Tim Duncan, and Joel Embiid is out here hitting fadeaway jumpers that, that you've never seen from a center and just like crazy stuff. And the numbers are just ridiculous. They blow your mind every single night. It's like, and he's Kobe. He's this version of Kobe where you're talking about, okay, who's better, uh, Duncan or Kobe? Which one do you value more? Um, and the answer is both. They're both awesome players. And, and in this case, the answer is both. It's Jokic versus Embiid. And, I would also argue for pros of trading for somebody like Joel Embiid. If the league is going to go through Nikola Jokic for the next few years, you probably want the next best thing or the best thing, depending on where you fall on the Joel Embiid versus Nikola Jokic argument, right? Um, as great as Bam Adebayo is. Now, the other the other pro for some, trading for somebody like Joel Embiid is, yes, he opens up your championship window right now. Obviously, Miami's championship window is, is open right now. It's open. You've got Jim Butler. you got Bam. It's open. They're trying to maximize this. Joel Embiid helps you maximize the current window. But he might also keep that, op that window open after Jimmy Butler either ages out of his prime or is no longer with the Heat because he retired or whatever, right? Embiid hmm. is 29 right now. I think Embiid's going to be a really good player for a while. Like, he's, a, he's 29. 
you do wonder how long centers have in terms of a window. But remember, he also yeah. didn't play his first two years of his of his career. He's basically only played seven years. He's made the All-Star game last six years and won Rookie of the Year as a rookie, okay? Like, this guy is one of the all-timers, right? He's going to, like, he's almost a first ballot Hall of Famer right now, just based on what he's done. So you get him, and Joel, and, and once Jimmy Butler ages out of his prime, I think your window is still open for a few more years because Joel Embiid is that kind of guy. Now, if you look at Miami's roster right now and you don't make that deal, even if you make a Damian Lillard deal, just depending on how long his prime would be, well, we don't need to concern, uh, be concerned with that right now. Like, when Jimmy Butler is done, when he's no longer the guy that can win you a championship, the Heat are done. The Heat need to find that next guy. And I think Bam Adebayo is really good, but I think he's sort of, he's not the guy that opens up your championship window. He raises your floor, and he can help you be, he can be the second best player on a championship team. I have no doubt about that. But he can't be the guy. So once Jimmy Butler is gone, the Heat are going to be looking for a guy. And if you can go get it, and Joel Embiid is a guy. He's a capital G guy. And when those guys are available, he's a centerpiece. And when those guys are available, it's really hard not to make a move to go get one of them. So that those are the pros to me. The combination of Embiid and Miami attracts future free agents, attracts other players looking to chase rings, etc. This would be akin to acquiring LeBron James in 2010. It's that level player. You're acquiring a top five level player in yeah. his prime right now. And I would and to go back to the Dame point, I'll make it now. Um, if you think of what you needed, what it is that you need to trade for Damian Lillard, it's Tyler Hero and the picks and the the Jaime Hakez's and the Yo- whatever it is, right? It's those things, and hopefully mm-hmm. you're able to get Dame for those things. Um, if it's Joel Embiid, it would basically cost Bam Adebayo and other stuff, but you could. Potentially, if the Sixers, if Embiid forced a trade from the Sixers and you're the Sixers operating from a point of, hey, we're not going to get one for one value for Joel Embiid. Like if you're kind of canvassing the league for return packages, I don't know that you're going to get a young centerpiece kind of player better than Bam Adebayo back. Like, I I just don't know. Right. Like who's better than Bam Adebayo that's going to get traded for Joel Embiid? Like Bam is what the third best center in the NBA. So, yeah. He's right behind behind Joker and Embiid. So it's like, okay, like if you want to stay elite at this position, here's your way to stay elite at this position and, 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 you know, get some other, a couple other things. So you could potentially get like Dame, Jimmy and Joel Embiid. And that could be your new big three for like a year or two. I don't know, but that would be now we're, now we're talking crazy, but Mm -hmm. I'm just saying like, I don't think that Dame and Embiid are mutually exclusive. I don't think that this is a situation where, Hey, if you can't get Dame, just, just shift gears to Joel Embiid. I think, Maybe maybe you just reorganize your list of priorities. All right, look, this Dame thing is not happening. Joe Cronin's not answering our phone calls, whatever. This might have to wait until February. But maybe, and in, and like let's say in the next two weeks, hypothetically, Embiid would request a trade, then Miami could right. be like, all right, let's just put a pin in the, the Lillard stuff. Let's move Embiid to the top of the priority list. Let's get this Embiid deal done. And then we could circle back to Dame later on if, if that's something that's still on the table. So, um, But I just don't think the two things are mutually exclusive is all I'm saying. I know. I get that point. Uh, I think, though, when we're starting to talk about potential trade packages, uh, you probably have to move some picks in order to acquire Joel mm-hmm. Embiid. Bleacher Report has a mock trade of that. You could go check that out if you like. Basically, it includes Embiid, P.J. Tucker, and Ferkman uh, Quirk. Uh, God, I can always, uh, always mispronounce it. Sure, that's the one. And he's uh, they're all, all three of them would be shipped to Miami in exchange for Bam, Tyler, 
Nikola Jovic and three first round picks. Obviously, if you're shipping those picks as 76ers, you're not going to be able to ship them to right. Portland in exchange for Damian Lillard. But basically, what we're coming down to is a Miami trade with Philadelphia, Bam at a buyout for Joel Embiid as a centerpiece. And I think Miami considers that possibility. Now, if you're talking about the cons, and I think we're going to move on to that now, yes. then you're talking about giving up Bam at a buyout. And you made a great point. It's one well-established. I think Bam Adebayo would be the best player that Philadelphia could potentially get in exchange for Joel Embiid. Like what Philadelphia is asking for when they when they're talking about you know a talk a trade for Damian Lillard is getting a superstar level player in return that hasn't manifested nor will it. But for Philadelphia, if they're looking to move a center in Joel Embiid and they could get a player of Bam Adebayo's caliber back, it would be a slam dunk. Now Miami. Why would they want to give up an all-star player that's 26, so several years younger than Joel Embiid, certainly more proven and healthy yeah. in terms of his longevity, his overall availability being you know, a primary factor in this to consider, and, and the fact that he has been a big performer at the highest level, whether it's the finals, whether it's the Eastern Conference finals, playoffs. throughout the playoff run. Yes, yeah. throughout it. Yeah, you've let's, seen let's, his game go up in the playoffs. Let's jump into that more here after the break. Welcome back to Locked On Heat. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app every day as we are going to be back Wednesday night, Thursday morning. Friend of the show, Mike Richmond from Locked On Trailblazers. Mock trade call to get a Damian Lillard trade deal done. We're going to be doing that uh, later this week, so stay tuned. But for right now, let's jump into the cons of a potential Joel Embiid trade. Um, look, I'm with you. I, how much should the the lack of playoff success be attributed to Joel Embiid, right? Because if you think about the whole 76ers thing, the Ben Simmons, James Harden, like like Ben Simmons was notoriously bad in the playoffs. James Harden has made a whole career of great regular season numbers and then not living up to that in the playoffs, whether, you know, back from his Houston days, even back to the 2012 finals when he was with the Thunder against the Heat, like he just wasn't the same. So, and look, Joel Embiid's numbers have not been great in the playoffs. We'll, we can dive into those here, but... I think that there's a certain there's a lot of noise in that, and a certain amount of that also has to be attributed to his teammates, his team, his coaching, right? Like he's also got Doc Rivers as his coach for a majority of his career in Philadelphia, uh, especially these these late playoff runs. And Doc Rivers is one of those coaches too. It's like nobody's ever blown more three one leads in a, in a playoff series than Doc Rivers. Yeah, yeah. So I, it, I, it's he's constantly I, surrounded by people who underperform in the playoffs, and I, I have a hard time separating how much of that is Joel Embiid and how much of that is like just everything around him kind of crumbling in the most important moments. It's a point I failed to make during the pros section, but Embiid in Miami would probably be an even better version of the player that we've seen because he'd be surrounded by a coach that has known how to coach superstar level MVP type players in Dwayne Wade and LeBron James and Jimmy Butler and that would maximize what he could do, would probably get him in the best shape of his life. And that's just not rhetoric. That's a fact. Like, that's what players say when they come to Miami. They get into better shape. Even when they're already well-established NBA superstar-level athletes, uh, they get into better shape here in Miami. So that's something to consider on the pro side of things. But on the cons yes. thing, yes, there is. It's it's a good point that you make. Uh, you know, Embiid's numbers have struggled, though. And it might just be as a result of the coaching and his, you know, whatever players he's played alongside of. But he, he shoots less. He shoots more poorly. He doesn't pull down the same number of boards. doesn't get to the free throw lines as much as we all know. That's a big part of his game. He just is a worse scorer in the playoffs 
as most players are during you know during that stretch it's harder to score because you're going up against better competition and defense but uh, he he has struggled mightily and then beyond the numbers too david like it just we've seen him enough in the playoffs now against miami or just you know over the last three years Mm -hmm. against anybody he just kind of disappears when you don't really want him to not as much as james harden does but but not but he doesn't step up now look i will say this in defense of joel Embiid, he was playing with a broken face two years ago he was a little hurt he was a little banged up in these last playoffs the thing but before but the that's thing it. that stands he's out always, to me is Game he's 7. He's always beat up. Game, game 7 up. against he's... Boston. No, he is. Game 7 against Boston when Tatum went off, these last playoffs, mm-hmm. when yep. Tatum went off and Embiid kind of no-showed, that's where I really started to wonder about the, the fortitude of Joel Embiid because I used to just I, – I tend to give him – and I still think I'm more tending to give him the benefit of the doubt here. Okay. I do not doubt Joel Embiid's talent. It's there, right? And when we're talking about, hey, he – he didn't do what he did in the regular season. He averaged 33 points a game in the regular season. I mean, these numbers are insane. You're asking him now to do this in the playoffs, like to your point where the defenses are better. You're playing better teams all the time. Like the numbers last year weren't bad in the playoffs. They just weren't what they were in the regular season. Historically good. Yeah, when he was just going bananas during the during the regular, like 33 points a game at 55% shooting is nuts. All right. Even if you take his career averages in the playoffs, regular season versus playoffs, regular season. 27 points a game on 50% shooting, 10 free throw attempts per game. Amazing. That's his regular season average for his career. In the playoffs, it's 24 points a game on 46% shooting, 9.3 free throw attempts a game. So lower significantly, but you don't think the Heat would have taken 24 points per game at 46% shooting and almost 10 free throw games in this last playoff run? Of course they would have. Of course they would have. Those are still pretty good numbers. Those are pros, but it's also like, I'm. what I'm trying to do is dissect whether or not this is a pro or a con. His, his, his playoff history and how much the playoff history we should really hold against him. I think some of it should be held against him. The game seven no show was a bad one, right? That was a bad one. But I I still think that there, to your point, if you were to leave Philadelphia, a team like the Miami Heat, another like a winning team could coax more out of him. I think there's more there. You put some stability around him. You could, you could, if a good organization's put their players in positions to succeed and you can make a really good argument that the Sixers, have not have done not. that, and that Joel Embiid has succeeded despite the, the Philadelphia 76ers. And that's if right. that's the level of success that he's had in spite of them, whoa, then just imagine what it could be like with a, he, with he, a, with a stable he'll organization. Be, he'll be better in Miami, but I think he's also not done himself any favors of being great in Philadelphia, like yes. at least during the playoffs when it matters most. And look, look at Jimmy Butler. He has not, he never won. He never got, you know, deep in the playoffs before he joined Miami. Of course, there was that run with the Sixers when they had a superstar level cast around him. And he was very, very good in that regard. But he had clutch moments. He was always a player that you could say, oh, he came up big in the clutch. And certainly he's lived up to that during his four years in Miami. He's been so good. I don't know that you can make that same argument about Embiid. And so that's why I think it's it's a little bit of both. It's, it's, he can't be better. He's been very yes. good during the regular season, and he's also, you know, he's also struggled in the playoffs. And you don't want necessarily want that in your superstar, especially if you're giving up as much. Again, we're talking about Bam Adebayo, potentially including Tyler Hero, mm-hmm. Hicks. Like if you're giving that up for Damian Lillard, it's a slam dunk because it fits better with a team that you can keep around him, and you're also not giving up as much talent necessarily, and you're also getting a proven player, top seventy-five player. Joel Embiid, as good as he is during the regular season, the availability. The constant health concerns, the dependence on free throw baiting. 
Okay. It's, well, it's, let's talk. Well, could, let's talk about the the availability part of it because it's a really good point. That's a con, right? With Joel and Bead, you mentioned absolutely. Absolutely. I will say so. We said it before. First two years didn't play with a foot injury coming out of college. Rookie year plays thirty one games. They were kind of being careful with them. Plays thirty one games. Since then, sixty three games, sixty four games, fifty one games, fifty one games, sixty eight games, and sixty six games this past season uh, when he won an MVP. Never has played in 70 games in a regular season from your star player. That's a concern on its face. Now, again, to push back against that con, Jimmy Butler don't play 70 games. You but know, the difference, the star players just don't really play that many games anymore. You're going to. The difference is you're, you're saving Jimmy for the playoffs because you know he'll perform then. You're not getting that performance from Joel exactly. That's exactly right. So, uh, but I do think like 66 games last year, 68 games the year before that. Yeah. I already think that the, some of the playoff numbers is there's so much noise around it. It's almost hard to decipher. I don't think the injury history is as it's it's bad. It's there. It's definitely worth and it's a con. It goes in the cons list, but I don't think it's like red alarm fire bad. Stay away bad. I I, I think it's a little bit overstated. Joel Embiid's injury history at this point. It seems like he's getting to a healthier place now. I, I could see that argument. Um, and again, I think if in Miami system, he'll probably lose some weight and he'll probably be in great shape. But we've also seen that kind of wear and tear piling up. And we're talking about players as they get older. They don't tend to yeah. get healthier yeah. on the other side of 30. They tend to get less healthy. And yeah. that being the case, we could see some incredible degradation at that point where he saves himself even more during the regular season so that he can be a postseason performer. And that's just not been a strength of his career. So I, I don't know. Like, I mean, we're talking feet injuries, which have been pretty rampant, knee injuries. Those things get worse for seven foot you know, bodies. They, they they cannot withstand that kind of pressure very regularly. And so we're talking about the likelihood of those getting worse and worse throughout the rest of his career. And you're looking at a player who's under contract for the next four seasons and will be paid $60 million at the end of that contract, even though it's a player option it's still a burdensome contract and it, it does put you in a very tough situation, but you know, let's I, talk about that. No, the player, the player option there, he's opting out of that. As long as he's anywhere close to this level, because of what the cap is going to do. You look at Jalen Brown's contract. He's going to blow that out of the water in, in, in 2026, when he's a, in the summer of 2026, when he's a free, when he can potentially be a free agent, if he exercises out of that player option. Uh, and then you look at the, I think it's a good point. Like what is left with this guy? When does that, decline start to happen he's 29 years old right now you know the injury history is real you know and he just averaged like if you look at his stats you know over the last few years 28 points per game 30 points per game 33 points per game yep. like you kind of look at the history of basketball with big man there is it, it, it's a pretty it's a it's a pyramid with these guys right you kind of go up you peak and then you come down right and that's what happens every, like dwight howard right peaked for three years in orlando got traded to the Lakers, immediately started coming down. Immediately. It was immediate, right? And, and then it's precipitous. It just keeps going down. There's never like that second real peak, right? You can find a second career That's like Howard did, right? Yeah. right? As a role player, right? And yeah. not worth – and then you look at the contract that you mentioned. Like, that's a lot of money for a guy if that decline is going to start happening, even not this year, next year, but even at the end of that contract. If it starts happening, considering the cost associated with that, it would be Bam out of bio and other things. Bam is 25. That decline for Bam ain't happening anytime soon. And here's the great thing about Bam. He's going to mm-hmm. age way better than Joel Embiid is going to age. He's going to, like, like that's, that's Bam debatable. is going to age. I think Bam's going to age debatable. like Draymond. 
where he's always going to be elite defensively, right? Like That's he's debatable. not a guy who, okay, why is it debatable? Because I think he relies a lot more on athleticism than Draymond did. Like I, his ability to move around as much and constantly shift defensively. Like I, I just don't see, I mean, Draymond has a quickness, but he, he doesn't even leave the ground in some cases. He's just about getting to his position and calling everybody out and being more communicative on defense and things of that sort. Whereas we've seen Bam shut down a point guard and shut down a center on the same possession. And I just don't know that that's something you can expect from him in six, seven seasons. I, mean, that's I, a long I guess way my point is that Bam, Bam's IQ, even the way where it is now, will get like to Draymond's that's levels, fair. right? I, I think that's he'll fair. like he won't look like he looks now. I just think that he's always going to be a great defender. I don't, I don't think that goes away. That's what that's we'll see. Point. We'll see. I mean, yeah. I, I certainly hope and that's, that's what I said. Case. He'll the whatever athleticism he loses, he's still going to be moving better than Joel Embiid. I'm not telling you that Bam's going to age like fine wine. I'm just telling you that Bam's going to. I think he's going to age better than Embiid. And B's always going to be big, I guess, is the argument is like, but like we even saw like towards the end of Shaq, it was like, okay, being big's not enough. Like you got to be able to move around a little bit, you know, and Shaq was durable. Like Shaq was durable, man, like for most of his career. And and Embiid was never, never durable. So I don't know. He does rely on a jump shot a lot more. And so maybe that's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So maybe that's a saving grace there. That's true. But ultimately, and I mean, we can wrap this up real quick, unless there's anything yes. else in the cons that you want to add. But my my final verdict, okay, just my speaking personally, Miami would absolutely pull the trade off. But I would not. I would not trade Bama to buy for Joel Embiid. As good as Embiid is, and I am, listeners of this show know that I am not necessarily a fan of his style of play, I just don't think Miami should trade as much as they would to, in order to acquire a superstar-level player. I don't know that... It makes them significantly better at this point. I think you're better. You're better off finding somebody you can pair alongside Jimmy and Bam Adebayo and whatever other talent you can keep on this roster. You're giving up a young player in Jovic. You're giving up a great young scorer in Hero, and you're giving up a potential, not not potential, a, a, an actual star in Bam Adebayo, one of the best defensive players in the NBA, one of the, a, a two-time All Star who's going to continue to get better throughout his career, who's younger than Embiid, who's more durable than Embiid, and who has, if not a higher upside, he can show continued progression throughout the rest of his career and still be a functional level player. I just don't see that from Joel Embiid. I think I, I think I agree with you. I, I, I don't know that Miami would do the deal if it's that you're mentioning like the proposed Bleacher Report right. format, and if it's anything close to that. I don't know that they would. I, I just think that that's. I think it means awesome. But if you're, yeah. yeah, I mean, but if you're giving up Bam plus whatever else, like Bam and everything, mm-hmm. is I'm not saying it one way. Or the other. I'm not answering the question. I'm just asking the question. Is the improvement from the third best center to the second or first best center? Is the improvement from Bam out of bio to Joel Embiid worth all of the extra stuff? Nobody's arguing that Joel Embiid is better than Bam out of bio. Nobody's arguing that. But is it worth the improvement? To go from Bam to Embiid, if it means getting rid of all that other stuff, whatever that stuff might be, by that time, is the that's the question that the front office has to ask. It's not is it worth Embiid? It's not worth. It's not the question is not Bam for Embiid. It's Bam plus all this other stuff. Is it worth the improvement? Is it worth the difference? Um, and I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what that other stuff would be. I, I, the market would have to kind of explain itself, but. Um, so I, I I don't know that I'm not saying it, they wouldn't do it. I'm not saying that they would do it. It sounds like you're like, yeah, they'll do it. I'm like, I don't know. I think it kind of depends on what it all looks like. 
Um, I, just, I but I'm with you though, and maybe I'm just too much of a romantic, David. I would just hold on to Bam. He's the guy. He's your Heat culture guy. He's 25. You could build around him. Really, like he is so versatile. Like it's so easy to build around Bam, and it is not. It, it means something to me that every team in the NBA that's not Denver or Philadelphia or Miami, when you ask them what kind of center are they looking for, they're looking for Bam. They want Bam. They don't want the next Joel Embiid. Nobody thinks that they. First, I think part of it is nobody thinks they could find the next Joel Embiid. He's a unicorn. Nobody thinks they could really find the next Nikola Jokic. But people think that they could find like their version of Bam. For whatever reason, right or wrong, people are like Evan Mobley, Nick Claxton. Like this is our version of Bam. We're going to utilize him in the same way that the Heat use Bam. Um, and I think that's meaningful. I think that means something because they, the Heat obviously have the the prototype. They have the best version of this. So. Um, and like I said, he's 25, like, like, I'm sorry, like you said, he's 25, he's young, he's durable. There's, there's a proven track record there and there's equity. There's equity with the organization. He means something. I, the fact that they're like, Hey, he's the culture carrier. He, the Udonis Haslam, you know, put the sword on his shoulder and bestowed him the next, like that's, it's, it's a lot of talk and it's a lot of stuff, but it, it, I think it, it's important. I think it's meaningful to the organization. Um, and I think they do look at Bam. They say, we want him to stay here and we want him to be the next guy drafted by the Miami Heat to make the Hall of Fame. I think all that stuff is real, you know? And it doesn't mean that he's untouchable. No. It does not mean he's untouchable. It just means that he probably even holds more value to Miami than he would to any other team in the NBA. And it would be harder to get him away from Miami than I think people think. Not impossible, but harder. He just turned 26, too. Uh, uh, but yes, he... Uh... I don't, there aren't a lot of players. We've been having this conversation for a number of years. And I know people thought that we were insane talking about it. It's even after Miami's bubble run. But the list of players that Miami would actively trade Bam and Bio for, I, I think it's much smaller. They, we, they've already shown that they wouldn't trade him for Kevin Durant. And mm -hmm. certainly they're not going to trade Good him for point. Dame Lillard. And I think a, a big part of that is the fact that Bam is also one of those players that. Players want to play alongside him, just not just because of his experience with Team USA and winning a gold medal in the Olympics, but also because he's, he, as you said, he covers your ass on defense so effectively that he mm. makes you look good. He makes plays for you. He makes things easier and better That's for you screens. because of his versatility. Yeah, <laughs> if you're a scorer like KD, why would you yeah. want to go to a team that doesn't have a Bam and a Bio? I was so watching I, some of those Team USA clips for, when Bam was playing for him. And I'm like, his screen setting was so underrated. And it's always Dame. It's always KD. It's always Donovan Mitchell. It's always these guys coming off those screens. No wonder all of them were like, I want to play with that guy. I want to play with that guy. And it's right. like, he made my job so much easier. It's a great point. And, and it's not guessing. All these guys are saying it publicly. I would love to play with Bam. They're all saying yeah. it publicly. Um, he's the kind of guy that you think you build around. And look, it could be easy on NBA 2K to just do the trade, simulate the season, and now the Heat win the championship. And you're like, why wouldn't they do this? But if you're Pat Riley, Andy Ellisberg, Adam Simon, Eric Spolstra, Nick Arison, you're all these guys, and you're in a room, and you're like, are we really going to do this? I kind of think, like, like the gut check there. I kind of feel like they might just be like, it's way easier to talk yourself out of doing it and not do it than to do it. That's I think tough. it's like one of those kind of deals. So um, who knows? Can I make one more point before we get out of here? Let's do it. If they do all this for Damian Lillard now, hmm. I think that would actually increase the chance that they would at least be open to trading Bam for Dame. Oh, I no think way. it would increase it. You think, because, okay, I think you're given Dame's connection. Point. Yeah. Given Dame's connection to Bam, like you, mm. you, he says he wants to play in Miami. That's a good point. You go, 
I'm glad we have you here under contract. By the way, now we're going to trade away one of your best friends in the league or a guy that you've grown increasingly close to over the last couple of years and that you want to play yeah, to your right. earlier. I, I think it seems a little less like I know the temptation is to say, well, we've especially got if you think you're good enough. Star. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the big three of Dame, Jimmy and Bam is probably good enough. Is it less good than the, uh, the, the possibility of Dame, Jimmy and Joel Embiid? Yes. But yeah. again, it's not just about the big three. We saw this in 2010, 2011. I think you need to su- surround those three players no, with other Yeah, my point was my, my point is going to be like, if you've already gone all in for Dame, you might as well just do what the Phoenix Suns did and just keep just keep trading everything and keep getting better at each position um, yeah. and just go get the other star. And I could still see them maybe making that decision. It's okay. like, well, we're already going all in on the next two or three years anyway, so let's just go ahead and trade for Joel Embiid. So now we have yeah. Embiid, Jimmy, and Dame, and just good luck stopping that. But I, you're you're probably right given the connection and and I don't know. But and if you just think oh. you're good enough right away, but also maybe if you if if you see enough and then you don't, I don't know. It's probably not that related. It's possible. Okay. That'll do it for us today. Thanks again for listening to Locked On Heat and making us your first listen every day. Remember, everydayers, we're going to be back later this week. Mike Richmond, Locked On Trailblazers, a mock trade call. The Heat and the Blazers can't figure out a way to get this Damian Lillard trade done, but we are. We're going to get it done here on Locked On Heat, so make sure that you are subscribed and tuned in for that. We will have another show later this week as well. I don't know, David. I was kind of thinking of some ideas, maybe projecting some possible Miami Heat starting fives. Hmm. I think there's some... There's some <laughs> Tough to say when half the roster to... might not be here. That's how, we could, that's, that's how we could do a whole show about it. So, so many <laughs> options. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Follow us on your favorite podcast app. That'll do it for today. Thanks for joining me, David. You got it, Wes.